Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Good morning. How is everyone today? It's great to see you. Great to see our visitors. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Zoom. We appreciate you being with us as well. Uh, this is a great day, a wonderful day uh, for us to, to be in the kingdom. Um, question for you. When I say evangelist, what is the image that comes to mind? It, is it a particular man that fills that role, either in the past or in the present? How would you describe an evangelist? Not physically necessarily, but how would you describe their work and what it is that they do? Well, today, uh, Lord willing, briefly, we're going to look at um, what Scripture says about the, the work, or you might say the ministry, of an evangelist. What does Scripture say about who an evangelist is and what his work is? So thank you, Chase, for that reading in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's, let's read it one more time. The Apostle Paul is writing here to the church at Ephesus, and he has something to say about the different, the, the term we use is offices uh, or roles uh, in the church. Now, these are not all of the roles, but these are some that he calls out. So he says, and he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, eyewitnesses of Christ, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, that's the same word that's translated elders, and teachers, for, or for the purpose of equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or complete man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's the measuring stick. The, the fullness of the measure, the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children spiritual children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things to him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, in other words, not just those that are mentioned at the top, apostles, prophets, evangelists, but the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, that's every single one of us in the body, by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, typical to Paul's teaching we could spend weeks on this passage, these uh, five or so verses. But we're not going to do that today. But this is the outline of what Paul says, in part, these roles in the church do. It's for the equipping of the saints. It's for all of these things that we're going to unpack just a little bit uh, today, but I want to focus on this word 
evangelist. That comes from the Greek word euangelistes, in case you're wondering, which means a messenger of good news or the gospel. A messenger. Now, it's applied to someone who's able to communicate the message of the gospel in such a way that people will listen and be moved to obey the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. Can convey the message in such a way that others will hear and obey. Hear and change. Hear and change their behavior and change their, their way of life to be directed toward Jesus Christ according to the effective working by which every joint supplies. So it's, it's in concert with, not by himself, but in concert with the body. So what's their function? Well, the best source of information for the, the, the work of an evangelist, of course, is contained in the New Testament. There are lots of places you can go. There are lots of places um, that, that you can go to find, well, here's, here's the work of an evangelist in, in this particular religious group or that. But I think the best place for us to go is into the New Testament. And I think what you will see is that evangelists preach the word of God specifically, not exclusively, but specifically, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're not tasked to lead the church. Tasked to be a messenger, not to lead the church. They encourage and they guide others through teaching of the word and communicating the message of Christ with clarity and conviction. They study and they meditate upon God's word. We see evangelists move with, with great boldness in the New Testament. And there's power and authority in their words. They're fearless when proclaiming the good news of salvation. This doesn't necessarily mean that they have a bold personality. Some of them did. Some of them did not. Today, some do. Some do not. But when they speak God's truth to the lost, as was included in, in our prayer, may we all, through the power of the Holy Spirit, become bold, and especially those who fulfill the role of evangelist. They proclaim the gospel with that full authority and power, not power of their own ability. Look, there are some evangelists um, today and over the years that have been uh, very eloquent orators. And some, as the Apostle Paul would describe himself, were not that great of a speaker necessarily. In front of people, they maybe were less than polished, but in other ways, they were very powerful and very effective in bringing forth the message of good news. Evangelists seek out opportunities to talk to unbelievers and believers about spiritual matters. They challenge unbelievers and believers to become fully devoted followers. We use the word disciple. What does that mean? An imitator. What did Jesus look like? I don't mean physically. But what did he look like? What did he do? What was his purpose? And that should be ours. 
Evangelists can communicate the plan of salvation with clarity and conviction. They always have creative ways to present their message based on the age or the lifestyle of their audience. They have to tailor the message. They challenge people to have faith in Jesus Christ everywhere they go. So I believe that the best example, not the only, but I think the best complete example that we see of the ministry or the work of an evangelist is given to us in Acts chapter 8. In this portion of Scripture, we're told about Philip and his work, his ministry. Well, how do we know that Philip was an evangelist? We don't know that actually from Acts chapter 8, but he's referred to as Philip the evangelist in Acts chapter 21, verse number 8. So what does this portion of Scripture tell us about an evangelist? Let's look at it. Starting in verse number 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. They were scattered about because of the um, Jesus was dead and resurrected. There was starting to be more and more persecution and grumblings among the religious leaders of the day. There, there was more and more persecution coming their way. And so they were scattered. Though, and, and scattered specifically, we're talking about here, the apostles and other disciples. Then Philip specifically went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. So part of the work of an evangelist is to travel from place to place, proclaiming Jesus Christ and preaching his good news. Now I want you to notice as we go through this uh, passage here in Acts chapter 8 that Jesus was teaching people to imitate and what he was modeling was to imitate Jesus. What did Jesus do? Preach the kingdom, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. That's what Jesus did. Preach the kingdom, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. So follow with me. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Now, the era of miraculous gifts has passed. The era of miraculous powers has passed. There's no opportunity for any of us, including evangelists, to lay hands on someone and heal them. But what can evangelists bring? They can use the, the, these accounts of the miracles, the signs, the wonders performed by Jesus and his apostles to confirm the good news by the demonstration of his power for the glory of his name, not for their own glory. But can they not also help heal the spiritually sick through the Holy Spirit, through the power of the word? Yes. Can they not also raise the spiritually dead, those that were dead in sin, absolutely. Can they not also cast out demons? Some people are, are so possessed by their sin that it, it's, it's as if they're, they're, uh, they're not within their own being. They're not within their own right mind. The power of Jesus can affect that. And of course, they can preach the kingdom, the kingdom of God. 
and there was great joy in that city. God will use evangelists to impact cities. When salvation comes into the lives and the homes of people, the whole village, town, city will encounter the love of God because they will hear with their own ears and see with their own eyes the goodness of the Lord unfolding in their lives and the lives of those who follow him, Jesus. This can have a profound impact, so much more than laws or the works of politicians in changing desperate situations found in cities today. Christians have too many times given up the power of the Holy Spirit to politicians that somehow our power rests only in our ability to vote for godly capable people. And thank God there are godly capable people in our legislatures and on our councils and in our Congress. But that's not it, folks. That's not where it ends. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 that it's through the working of the entire body knit together. It's all of us, including the evangelists. At times, beginning with the heralding of the truth by an evangelist. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Evangelists will face demonic forces face to face. They are called to the front lines in battle, in the battle for souls. They're called to battle the darkness of deception, sin, bondages, and curses, and set people free in the name of Jesus Christ through the peach, preaching of his word and of prayer, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse number 14 in Acts chapter 8. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. He, the Holy Spirit, had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Once the work of proclaiming the gospel is complete, the initial batch of souls coming to salvation and the church being planted, if there's no church in, in that place, when that work is complete, the evangelists must hand over the work fully to the elders for them to shepherd and disciple the new believers in the faith. There's a two-part 
uh, note here. When the apostles heard that Samaria word, received the word of God, they sent Peter and John. Peter was an elder in the church at, at Jerusalem, as was John. They sent elders to that place to set things in order, if you will. But there's a twofold message here, and that is the elders had a role too to disciple. And I know there's elders in the room. Brethren, we cannot say, evangelist, you take care of, of bringing them in and of discipling them. Now, they can play a role. Again, I want you to look at Ephesians 4. They can, they can play a role as part of the body, absolutely. But the role of discipling is on the elders. Can I get an amen? An evangelist is not called to plant a church and then wait there for the rest of their life. He's called to do the initial work, then hand it over and move on to the next mission. Now that mission may be one soul. That mission may be one place. They vary. You see those examples in the New Testament scripture. Evangelists can always revisit a place, have further meetings, to, and I don't mean gospel meetings necessarily, but it could certainly uh, uh, fill that, uh, uh, that function. Have further meetings to win souls, but must be careful not to plant themselves in that place permanently. And I don't mean that they don't have a, a place that they uh, worship at or their, worship, their, their, their family worships at, but be careful of planting in one place for too long and becoming a de facto part of the leadership. Be careful of that. Evangelists must co-work with the church and with the elders when they visit a place where the church is already planted. See Acts chapter 15, verse number 36. They must also be careful not to work in isolation or independently. Brethren, in the past, in the long ago past, there have been evangelists within the body of, of Christ that worked independently. They worked in isolation, and it caused problems, big problems, church-splitting soul-rending and rendering problems. Don't do that, please. We don't see that in the New Testament scriptures. Acts chapter 8, verse number 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. That breaks my heart 2,000 years later. Someone who came to Christ and said, I want that power. Let me buy it from you. Peter said, you have neither part nor portion in this matter. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. Evangelist, are you willing to say, your heart is not right in the sight of God. Your money perish with you.
Repent, therefore, of this, your wickedness. And pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. So when they had testified and preached the, word of God, preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans as they were making their way back to Jerusalem. Evangelists have to be aware of deceiving spirits, as we said earlier. Remember, there will always be false believers. There will always be agents of Satan who display false repentance and fake salvation. An evangelist has to have the gift of discerning the spirits because Satan releases deceiving spirits to destroy the souls of those who are following Christ. Test every spirit. Exercise discernment. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise. And go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of uh, all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. How cool is that? He's in a chariot, which had to be noisy, on a rock road, and he could hear him reading from Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. The Lord will provide opportunities for an evangelist to preach to large crowds as well as to preach and teach one person. He will use an evangelist to win many souls as well as one soul. The evangelist must be ready, readily available and unconditionally obedient to what God wants done. Imitating Jesus. Jesus said many times, I'm coming here to fulfill the will of my Father. I do nothing outside of the will of my Father. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Many, many other quotes of Jesus. 
And Philip was imitating that very thing. If God sends you halfway across the country to lead one person to salvation, go. Through that one person coming to know Christ, this eunuch, this unnamed man, we don't know his first name. We know he was a servant of the treasury or in charge of the treasury of Candace of the Ethiopians, the queen of Ethiopia at the time. A whole nation may come to know Christ. We just had an evangelist that was in the Philippines helping to work with, with those brothers and sisters and working with the churches there to help them to gain strength in the Lord. But what happened with the Ethiopian eunuch? You see, Ethiopia became a predominantly Christian country and remains so to this day. Through one man teaching one man to be a follower of Jesus. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. An evangelist must always be forward-looking. You notice we went right from verse 39 to verse 40. There's no mention by the writer of the book of, of, of Acts, Luke. There's no mention of Philip stopping to smell the roses and saying, hey, that was pretty cool. I was on my way to, uh, I was on my way down the road, and I heard this guy reading from the book of Isaiah, and I caught up with him and taught him the gospel, and he, he was baptized, and, and then Shazam, I was, I was taken away, I, was, I disappeared. Wow, nope, none of that. Boom, Philip was found at Azotus. Now, why wouldn't Luke talk about that cool thing some more and, and, and kind of play on that string some more? There's a work to be done. There's a mission to be fulfilled. An evangelist can't get sentimental about past accomplishments or get caught up in building a following or an organization or an empire for themselves. God has sent the evangelist for a mission to forget all that's been accomplished thus far and be fully focused on the next mission. Uh, the Apostle Paul said that very thing, forgetting those things which are behind, but I look forward I'm looking forward. When the evangelist is forward-looking and mission-focused, pride and arrogance don't have an opportunity of getting into your heart. A couple more passages here, and we'll be finished. In Romans chapter 10, Paul says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? You see Paul basically reverse engineering this? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Interestingly, Jordan preached on Isaiah 52 just last week. This very passage. It's almost as if the Lord planned it. 
Notice this word sent. How can they preach? How can they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Note the authority that is conferred. There is authority that is conferred when a man is sent. Some other examples in Acts chapter 13. We see Barnabas and Paul were sent out from Antioch to preach. We see in, in chapter 15, Judas and Silas were sent from Jerusalem back to Antioch with a message from the apostles and the elders. In Acts chapter 22, Jesus himself sends Paul to the Galatians. Rather, to the Gentiles, I beg your pardon, to the Gentiles. He sends them, uh, a, a Jew, out to the Gentiles. And there's other examples. But this, this idea of, of sin, and part of what we are doing today, brothers and sisters, is to set Jordan Dancer apart for this work. For the work of an evangelist and to send him out to preach the gospel. Not tears of sadness, I assure you. Friends, there's lots of places in this world, in this country, in this state, and the Lord knows in the state of Arkansas <laughs> that are sorely in need of the gospel. There's an urgent need for the ministry of an evangelist. We need men and their wives and their families who will travel to all of these places near and far with the gospel and bring hope to the multitudes of people who are living without hope, living without the good news, living without the benefit of the things that we have together in his body. All glory be to God through his son, Jesus. We've talked about the gospel. We haven't talked specifically about it today. We've talked around it. And I don't intend to preach that, that message right now. But if you're subject to the gospel call, if your life is not in alignment with the Lord Jesus Christ, he offers us a way back. He offers us a relationship mending way to reconcile ourselves back to God. He said he's faithful and just to forgive us if we will but repent. If you're not a child of God today, if you've not been buried in baptism to wash away your sins, to rise and walk, uh, and walk in newness of life, if you're subject to the gospel call today, please let us know as we sing this song. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.